all situated? Uh, yep, as, <laughs> as much as I can be. Perfect. Real quick before we start into the, the podcast, yeah, I actually just had something get brought to my attention. Mm-hmm. But okay. I noticed, I looked it up in the JW version, and then I looked it up in the English Standard Version, and they are two completely different verses. Mm-hmm. Okay, which one is this? So this is First Corinthians uh, 16, verse 14. Uh, in the JW version, it says, let all your things be done with charity. And in mm-hmm. the English standard version, it says, let all that you do be done in love. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're going. Instead of charity, which I understand, but that kind of leads us to our conversation that we had yesterday. You can do as much charity as, as you want, but if it's not heartfelt, if there's no love, you know, mm-hmm. that that's the message and that that's misconstrued. No, yeah, go ahead. Well put. So it's interesting because King James actually says charity as well, right? So it's interesting. But English will say love. Most say love. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the Witness Bible usually says love for that. Say, it's a Greek word. Every time love and charity are intermixed, it's the same Greek word. So it's funny. The New World Translation will usually say love. But for some reason, they chose to say charity. But it's the same Greek word all throughout for that one. Oh, and it's, wow. It's agape, which is a beautiful, beautiful word I don't think we understand. Have you heard agape? No, what's that? So agape is one of the Greek words for love. So there was six or seven different Greek words for love. One was phileia, which was like a brotherly love. One was eros, that was more of like a passionate uh, sexual love. One was a self-love. One was like a love out of necessity like uh, both parties helped each other but it's beautiful but agape was considered the highest form of love well off, off the top of my head it's a, a unconditional love it's the love that man has for god and god has for men and because of that love we would have it for each other as, as humans referring to unconditional love the highest form of love uh, charity the love of god for man and man for god and i think the charity part comes in there's one beautiful scripture that says if you see a brother in needs the bowels of your heart doesn't move you to compassion. How can you say you love your brother? To me, it's not like a telling someone to do charity, but what is the state of your heart when you see someone else suffering? Like, what is the natural empathetic implications if you truly believe that God is one and we share this God, I suppose? I like it. Yeah. Beautifully said. Well, I am so glad I thought about that before I gave you a call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank, I'm glad too. Oh my goodness, because that just opened up a whole, a whole bunch of things for me. And you're absolutely right with the unconditional love that God has for us. Mm-hmm. Mm, very nice. Now, how do I start this? Okay. All right. So are you ready to get this started then? <laughs> thank you for joining us on our second episode for Modern Day Bible Study. Our mission statement is trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. And today we have David to speak with us and he is going to start us off with a little prayer. And David. Merciful Father, we come before you today. Another chance to Speak freely to participate in the love of your son with us. I know you. your son said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with you. So we trust the Spirit to guide us, and we thank you for everything you've given. 
who can receive something that doesn't come from heaven first? So in other words, we're always humbled by everything you give us. We pray that you're, we know many are suffering uh, under persecution and just trying to make a living in these days of turmoil. So I, we pray that you're, as you always are, with uh, everybody in need. So in all these things we pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. There are a lot of people suffering and that's very powerful that you bring that up in today's episode. So thank you for that message. Excellent. Well, that's going to bring us to our first question. Uh, I'm going to be asking David a series of three questions again today. Uh, We're going to ask him what his favorite scriptures or what he feels is best to uh, answer these questions that we have. So the first one that we have is, what is your favorite verse to help us with courage? So one that popped in my head, I think, especially in these days, the state of the world is in a bit of a uproar, it seems, with people losing jobs, people struggling to live, people having sometimes their faith being pressured to who can they trust, do they trust the state of the crowd, so to speak, or the state of this world, or, or do they trust God? So it made me think of something in Isaiah. So I'm going to read a few verses from this, if that's okay. Please do. It's Isaiah 8, 9. Raise the war cry, you nations, and be shattered. Listen, all you distant lands. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Prepare for battle and be shattered. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand, for God is with us. This is what the Lord says to me with a strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Do not call conspiracy everything this people calls conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. Bind up this test, and this is uh, verse 16. Bind up this testimony of warning and seal it up. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. So it's a very, one of the boldest claims I think a human can make. And who can make that without trusting in their God? No matter what's going down here, it, we see Isaiah had firm trust that nothing would stand against God's plan and for his people. And if that is, Abraham's seed, if that is the faith of Christ, if that is us walking in the same faith that Abraham did, trusting God day by day, then surely that statement of courage belongs to us if we we trust God as well. Incredible. And I'll see if I can find something else. (laughs) Well, actually, I have quite a bit I want to say to that. I'm going to say a couple things that really resonated with me. Uh, The first one is prepare for battle. We always feel that we need to prepare. And that's how we have the prepper culture, which of course, we should be prepared as much as we can. But at the same time, we can prepare and prep and have everything ready. And then something could happen to where you're not prepared anymore, or you don't have those supplies near you at that time where you need to be prepared. What that stood out to me is, is that's where our souls need to be prepared for what is to come. And that is where our trust comes in, because we have no idea about 
the trials that we have to go through in our own spirits and of trying to understand how we can have that trust as well, like you were saying. So I truly adore that because we do, no matter what situation we're in, we always do need to be prepared and just to stay strong. And that is that courage that God and the scripture show us. So did you have anything you wanted to say on that before? Oh, I moved yeah, uh, I, I might as well keep riffing on. Well, very well said. I agree. Like there's a tendency in us to feel the need to plan. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with planning for the future, but it's when are we planning out of a lack of faith? And, and can we ever plan enough? <laughs> Truly, can we ever plan enough? Because unforeseen things and unexpected things happen all the time. But uh, this made me think of Exodus uh, 3.14, which is beautiful in the context of Moses leading God's people out of Egypt. And uh, many people, there's a lot of debates and conversations about the archetype or the pattern of Egypt still plays out today in many ways. I think in Revelation, it even says, it mentions Babylon and Egypt, metaphoric, like something that was still going on in that day, and maybe even to this day. But this is Exodus 14. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians see you today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Yeah, God, God lets Pharaoh change his mind after he lets his people go. And God still closes the water on the people chasing uh, his people. So talk about trust. <laughs> talk about trusting God would lead him through every situation they had. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I actually have something that that scripture brought up that I kind of wanted to talk about, because this is something I'm very fascinated with, especially with when God said he will harden their hearts, the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. So it is amazing when you think about, first of all, your heart. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's, it's a, quite a concept that I don't think a lot of people are able to comprehend until you actually feel that that change of heart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very true. And when you have a hardened heart, that means that you are for sure on what you need to do. But is it the right thing? It's usually out of revenge that you have a hardened heart. Or it's mm. usually out of greed or out of actually... Any of the sins can harden a heart. Uh, maybe that's why they are the sins. But when you have a softened heart, you are able to empathize. You are able to be aware of things. And when your your heart is softened, imagine how much you have to go through to get to that point where you have a softened heart. Because you have experienced things. You have seen things to that knowledge of the heart, to understand that you can't trust all the desires that you have, but at the same time, God is guiding you to what almost his desires are for you. Beautiful. So 
yeah, that is, that is very powerful. I really, really enjoy that one. Beautiful. So I'll keep, before I, I want to riff with that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, so this is out of Ezekiel 36, 24. It lacks a little bit of context, but let me, I'll just read it anyways and see if I can say something about it. It says, for I'll take you from among the nations and gather you out of all the countries and I'll bring you back to your own land. I will also sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. And there's other scripture that says, I forget, I need to find this one, but off the top it says, one of the prophets is speaking for God saying, there's a time coming when all those who take my name upon their lips but are not circumcised in heart, I will call to account. And for me, I'll say this out of the most love and the most what I've learned. It's like it is for our own, our own good because all of us who walk in faith, all of, all of us who have a belief as Jesus Christ being our Savior, what is most important at the end of the, the day, as Paul said, and even as the Messiah said, is the law can be summed up as love God with your whole heart and love your brother as thyself. And how can we do that if we haven't had some sort of circumcised heart or had to be uh, afflicted in some form or manner to be able to empathize with everybody and be a vessel of mercy and be a vessel of impartial love? And so, and it seems even in the Old Testament to be a very important thing on God's mind to make sure he gets rid of that heart of stone of ours. And I encourage everyone that <laughs> no matter how hard it is, God can work with us that when we begin to uh, seek him. So, yeah. Beautifully said. Very, very nice. Hmm. Well, we're still on courage and I still yeah. have one more question too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> One thing I did want to bring up as well, and thank you for sharing. That was Ezekiel 36. Perfect. Uh, yeah. These, um, close to the end, I think it was 36 verse, uh, like 25, I believe. 25. Okay. I just thought it was very interesting that it says conspiracy in Isaiah 8, 9. Mm -hmm. We have so many conspiracy theories that are happening right now. And I kind of wanted to address that. Mm -hmm. uh, along the lines of courage, because it does take a lot of courage to read these conspiracy theories. But in the end, it just caused even more pain to even um, think that, well, the conspiracy theory pretty much that I got from it is there are stories to show you how people have hardened hearts from what I noticed because the message behind a conspiracy theory is that we need to do something to, to stop this. And that's where I always get confused because I want to make a difference. I want to have things better, but we'll be doing something. Is that what's going to cause it? And mm -hmm. so that is where I put my faith in God because there has to be a purpose for it. And mm -hmm. there has to be a reason why 
the story is out there. So I guess my question to you is if they were able to put conspiracy even into the Bible. So what do you think they were talking about conspiracy for their sense in that time? Yeah. So I really think man's heart has been man's heart throughout the centuries and the ages ever since our maybe our fall from grace but the uh, i forget the scripture it says man's every i think it was before the flood it said every thought of man's heart was continually wicked and it even said god repented for having made them which is pretty you know you know pretty strong and i could see you know like man if i was god like whoa what did i would try to tell them to love each other now it's just all people trying to get one over on each other and kill each other. So <laughs> I get that. But I do think there probably was very similar things going back on then. And I, what I took away from that, it said, do not call conspiracy everything. It's like, from my own personal experience, I have seen there's a rabbit hole of potential danger that we may be in in this world. But it's where, what is the final conclusion on that? Do we trust that God is very, very aware of what's everything's going on and I actually wanted to add Isaiah 10. This is, this is two, two chapters later. To me, this, is, this gives us a hint to what God's anger is meant for. It said, Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows of their prey, robbing the fatherless, what will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away, his hand still upraised. And all of Isaiah really says a lot about man's plight of dealing with the, I think to use a biblical word, iniquity, the iniquity that runs rampant through man's heart and somehow hits this realm with oppressive decrees, regulation, tyranny, all that stuff. And But Isaiah was like, God is with us. We trust God. We don't fear. Why would we fear any of this when we know our God sees it so clearly and he is guiding everything where it needs to be? Whew. <laughs> Fantastically said. Wow. Iniquity. I'm actually going to look that word up real quick because I don't fully understand the meaning of it. Iniquity. Wow. Immoral or grossly unfair behavior. Mm. Mm. That explains a lot. And especially from our last podcast, too, how we were talking about a moral compass. And <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it's it's very that is very interesting. Oh, mm-hmm. Thank thank you for saying that. Of course. And just to add, I just thought my intuition says there's maybe it's obvious, but between the heart and heart, I think they play off each other or is the root of iniquity on some sense. If sin hardens our heart. Yeah, iniquity and a hard heart, shake hands, I'm sure, and <laughs> play off each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that is very true. Just to look at courage, I mean, the reason why the heart and heart is brought up with courage is because it takes courage to allow God to 
almost beat our hearts into submission. And mm-hmm. every every word of that just makes perfect sense because you got the heartbeat, you got the, you know, you got to beat it down, you got to beat down that sin. And then also, <laughs> you also have the rhythm of it. And mm. once you allow almost that that beat down to happen, then that's when you are able to find that, that love uh, because he's doing it to what did we say yesterday to refine, Mm -hmm. to refine us. And when you are refining metal, you have to heat it and you have to press it real hard and let it cool. So very well said. Very awesome. So just, uh, I want, cause that's beautiful. I want to throw a couple of scriptures at that just to add to that. So one was, uh, Job 13, 15, though he slay me yet will I trust in him. To go along with, yeah, beating our hearts up. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> but we trust in him through all the affliction. Also, this one, so I told you earlier about that friend, but I, to the listeners, I have a friend who's about 19. He's gone through a lot in his journey with God. And we were talking yesterday and he was letting me know that Hebrews 12 has been a wealth of uh, encouragement in times of struggle. And it had to do with the value of God's discipline. So I'll read real quick. It's Hebrews 12. 7 through 11. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. <laughs> yes to that. <laughs> later, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So, yeah, Paul knew. Paul knew that we would be... Uh, afflicted and disciplined at times by the father of our spirits but the conclusion of the matter was peace and righteousness when we were trained by it so yeah you just made me think of a whole bunch of things (laughs) (laughs) oh yes absolutely um today's society what do we push away the most especially with raising kids you can't discipline your kids anymore. In fact, they almost reward bad behavior by giving them what they're crying for. And that's just filling their, their, their wants and desires mm-hmm. when that is what, well, a message that I definitely, I want to say live by because I learned it's best to have no desires because when you desire something, a lot of the times you will do whatever you can to get it. Mm. If you have no desires, then everything you receive is a gift. And it's actually quite the best reverse psychology (laughs) to put it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying. Hmm. I thought, I even thought too, um, there's a couple different translations of this, but I, it made me think of, uh, I think the Bible I was raised with used desire, but it says every, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his, and this is where, this is a very theological 
debate many people have. Does God tempt us? You know, a lot of people make the claim, why would God tempt us? But James says here, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, which other translation says desire, and enticed. Then when lust or desire hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So yeah, there's definitely something to desire. And when we, when we <laughs> like you so well said about uh, a children desire something, and when we keep nurturing desire, we never probably never solve anything and <laughs> make matters worse, but things work out in the end. But nonetheless, yeah, I do see that lack of discipline. It's something I grew up sort of with. It's a, to me, it's, a, it's an interesting topic because in many ways, I wish I would have had more certain aspects of discipline as a child. Not that I wasn't disciplined, but sometimes I feel I lacked in certain areas. But I think that's the good news. It's no matter any of us down here who lacked discipline from our parents, who was potentially misguided by maybe our sincere but misguided parents, or even maybe by the system we grew up in, Paul reminds us that the father of our spirits is the one who would, no matter what, would discipline us correctly. Our, our intimate relationship with him, he would bring about the proper discipline that brought peace and righteousness. So even in the worst situations, God can turn it around pretty quick, <laughs> painfully, but quick. <laughs> yeah, you you said it perfectly. Uh, that's why I had to stop myself and not continue what I was going to say because people have different upbringings and some kids don't need that extra discipline. For example, I grew up with a lot of discipline. <laughs> mm -hmm. So apparently I needed that as a kid. The same with my siblings. We were rambunctious kids and we definitely needed to tone it down, but at the same time still enjoy life. And that's where we had to learn our balance. Now, probably for you, just hearing how you speak, you were probably a good kid and <laughs> <laughs> you saw things in a different aspect with your family because your family was probably already pretty good with discipline to be teaching you. So they probably taught you exactly what you needed. That's why I didn't want to keep going with it because everybody, they get the discipline that they need to get yeah. them to where they're at. Yeah. So and just to add too, it's like, and it's funny. I think that's, well, let's see. They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. I see it such a beautiful Paul seeing both sides of the story. He said, as they thought best, and most parents do as they thought best, even if it was the worst, <laughs> you know, and I can sympathize with that because as much as I, I was, I think most people, and I wouldn't argue that I was raised good and I was disciplined well, but I would say I was disciplined as they thought best. Yes. Because then it says, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share. So it, no matter how well we're raised by human parents, we still need to return to our father of our spirits for what we really need in life. Because there are so many different directions and expectations laid upon us that may not be what we truly need to share in love, faith, hope, peace, a grounded way of walking through this life which no one can show us but our father of our spirits so there we go <laughs> i love that so much 
And I think that that sums up courage very beautifully. Thank you. Wow. I think you just gave me one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. You just gave me seven scriptures for the first question. I am so grateful. (laughs) Cool. There we go. All right. Well, did you have anything more to say on courage before we move on to the next question? Just maybe an obvious statement, but just a reminder. Our courage comes from God. That's why it's so important we seek him and trust him. Uh, So many Psalms says he is our rock and our refuge. So no amount of self willed mental courage and i'll say my own experience has worked but as i trust god from day to day i am made more courageous because he is courageous and even when i'm weak i'm powerful because of him so never forget that the most important part of the conquasion in courage is god and, and his son working through us so yeah yeah and that gives us the strength to stay strong and hold our ground to prepare for battle. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Excellent. All right. Well, the next question that I have for you is what can the Bible teach us about discipline? Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. You know, <laughs> maybe that, that, that might've worked nicely. Cause that was like almost like two questions worth of material. Oh my so. gosh. That worked out so well. Oh <laughs> wow. I love it. I didn't even look at the question as we're talking about <laughs> courage. That's incredible. <laughs> wow. Okay, cool. I love it. All right. Wow. That, that just ties in so perfectly. Okay. Yeah. Discipline. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think I'll share. Maybe I'll add one thing to it. So this goes back to just a reminder to us that faith and trust in God and the discipline and the courage that comes with that is so peculiar and different to the ways we've normally, I think, as previous points in our life, or many people still do, try to think of discipline and courage. So I'll read Colossians Two, six verses, um, 10. So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) So... That really goes back to everything we're saying, a heart of flesh, uh, courage, uh, discipline. I think it is, it, is, it is undergoing the discipline God is working through us. And I think throughout all our lives and at different points, and even me still at times, we try to discipline ourselves because we think there's a, it, it's an interesting give and take between God working through us and us making our own attempts to discipline ourselves. And it's, 
Uh, yeah, uh, I'll see if you have anything to add or say to that. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you, first of all, and when you were sharing, I can't remember which verse it was, but when we were talking about courage, you mentioned something that just got brought up again. And in the Bible, I was always confused about the word circumcision. And they mm-hmm. used it a lot in the Bible, but you said something so beautiful that now the dots kind of connected. You said that it's almost like our hearts needed to be circumcised. Mm-hmm. And when you said that, I thought of that word in a whole different different meaning now. What is that what does that word mean? And yeah, because it always talked about for young boys. So as a as a woman, how can you relate with with mm-hmm. circumcision in the Bible that they talk yeah. about, right? Yeah, but the way that you said it, to circumcise the heart, like to cut around, that's, or like a roundabout. Wow. And you went, okay, I'll, I'll share this. This was very interesting. I had a conversation with a man without a home, not too far from me near a gas station. He is a, a wonderful soul. He has complete faith in God through Christ. And he was sharing something about how a circumcision, I didn't realize this, a circumcision on a boy when he's young, it makes it very, it makes his body very sensitive to all stimuli in that area. So it opens up this wound and it's very sensitive. And for me as someone, and I feel that we intuitively know something about the circumcision of the heart, something clicked with me. I'm like, when I felt like I was enduring affliction or molding from God or being beat down at times, it felt like I was inwardly sensitive to stimuli in all senses to that like everything had become sensitive again and that can be tough but i think that is i really think the circumcision of the heart is something every soul can relate to who begins to walk in faith man and woman and i think that is the most important thing that is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and why the prophets cried out that we must be circumcised in heart to worship God. We must have sensitive, a, sens- a sensitivity to life and his pull in the spirit. You, you have just made so many verses in the Bible understandable now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Beautifully said. I have I've I have not retained a definition like that. So that is that is fantastic because you're so right. He cuts around the the hardening that we have cast upon ourselves pretty much, mm-hmm. which makes us very sensitive to everything around us because we're still trying to have that getting to know God, actually. So just to seal the deal, I just found this uh, with the scripture, Deuteronomy 10, 16, very quick, very simple. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff necked. (laughs) Yeah, I can feel that one. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, it's funny how discipline led us to this, Hmm. but it actually... Now I feel like rereading a lot of the those verses because now I have such a a broader understanding of it. Oh, very nice. All right, so that was Deuteronomy. Uh, ten sixteen. 
16. And I'll add something just popped in my head too to share. This is Ephesians 2.12 in the New Testament. So this is beautiful. It says uh, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the common wealth of Israel. I think from my heart, I'm intuitively saying that common wealth of Israel must be the circumcision of the heart and being in God's discipline, which produce, produces the fruits of the spirit. So that's where this beautiful thing is. Ever since the gospel went out, the message that we, even the Gentiles, begin to share in the commonwealth of Israel through this circumcision done by God. So, yeah. I had a thought. Let me get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> so repeat that. Repeat that one more time. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, you were called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were far off are made nigh, made close by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Wow, I haven't read that one in a while. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So what does that mean for you? Hmm. My mind's thinking enmity, hostility, division. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Just to keep it in context, he was also talking about how the it said, as Gentiles, we were called by the circumcision class, by Israel and the Jewish tradition, we were called uncircumcised by Christ, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. So through Christ, God is doing some miracle that we don't fully understand that is bringing us together through that circumcision of the heart lest we fall for the appearances of the five senses merely when we make judgments, uh, black, white, Jew, Gentile, Republican, Democrat, the myriad of divisions we could probably sit here and come up with that, that us living merely by our flesh, so to speak, will cause us. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that is perfect. And... Yeah, once you're accepting of that discipline, it's almost like that's where you you gain your confidence in your love and trust of God. Because once you know, almost like this, the, not the structure, but that his love is there, then you can freely walk and, mm -hmm. and freely explore and be, yeah, be more confident in spreading that message just without even doing anything. Just, <laughs> just being. <laughs> Truly. Oh, wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say on discipline? Um, no, I think we hit a 
good amount of uh, scriptures on that. So I'm happy with that. So. Yeah, I love how courage and discipline, how the questions kind of intermingled with each other. So <laughs> <laughs> without even realizing that was beautiful. Well, then the last question that we have is how does the Bible describe intuition versus wisdom? Do you think I should reword the question, actually? Maybe. Maybe not versus intuition. Or maybe we should see. What do you think it should be? How does the Bible describe intuition? And wisdom? And wisdom? Maybe. Because then that's a double question. But I like it. And then you could just start off with intuition and then go into wisdom. Or should we just Mm -hmm. do? Yeah. Should we just do one of them? I think I'm going to try to, because it's it's almost like a language, but I've always thought about intuition. We didn't start, I don't think we started using that word till later on in history. Oh. I could really? be wrong. I think, because I'm looking at the etymology. It All it means, it's beautiful. Look at, um, it's in, E-N, um, and tutor. It's in tutor. Which to me, I mean, I could really riff right now about in Christ, in tutor, in teacher. (laughs) It says insight. uh, This is the definition. Mid-15th century. Insight. Direct or immediate cognition. Spiritual perception. Originally theological. A looking at. Consideration. From Latin inturi, which means look at or consider. And from in means at or on. Yeah. And tutor. So, hmm. Could, uh, mm. You bring up a really good point because we could look at the word and find things in the scriptures that tell us about our insights, I guess, or from within. But I mean, it talks so much about wisdom that wisdom would just, mm-hmm. that would be very broad. I like, so I just Googled, I have this bunch of. It says 36 Bible verses about intuition. I just stumbled across this. And these are some good ones. I, I oh, can almost just read these off and see what we go with them. Okay. Um, well, then how about I just revise it and we save wisdom for another time. And okay. then how about I say, how does the Bible describe intuition? So I'll start with a scripture, Job 38, 36. This is when God is giving Job final answer after Job was bringing his complaint to God. And God was saying, have you done this? Have you set the skies in the air? Have you divided the seas? Have you built the Leviathan? Have you done this? And he also says, who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? So to me that I see right there, it shows wisdom is something God has put in us and given understanding to the mind. Well, you know, what I notice is that First of all, just even in the question that I was going to originally ask was intuition versus wisdom. Maybe I did want almost a definition for that. Like, what is the difference between intuition and wisdom? Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what I was trying to ask. As you just read in Job 38, 36, right? Mm -hmm. You said wisdom is within us Mm. and intuition is insight. Hmm. I see. Yeah. Wisdom in the inward. I like that. Wisdom in the inward parts, which is funny. We could probably go on and talk about gut biomes and how it's a body brain connection. <laughs> uh, wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind. So I see how it breaks. Maybe that's when is. Yeah. Okay. And you can't teach wisdom. 
wisdom is shown. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So it is inward. Yeah, it's an understanding. Oh my goodness. Yeah, wisdom is more of like you observe it. You're looking for it from other people, or you're observing it from things that, for example, trees. I I don't know why, but I feel like I get a lot of wisdom just being out in nature, uh, because those trees have probably been. A lot of the trees I look at, they've been planted there longer than I've been alive. So I think they have a lot more wisdom than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I like this one. This is Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. There's a scripture that says we were fearfully and wonderfully made. I think the truest wisdom, the truest intuitions, they can never be taught because if one man could teach another man, then they would be some sort of God we should all worship. (laughs) That's why Jesus so beautifully said, do not call any man rabbi for you have one rabbi, which meant teacher. Uh, He was setting this new way forward that I would be with you, my people between you and one teacher teaching all of you. And then Another scripture, it says, Paul was praying for the church. He said, I pray that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So it's almost something that's ready always in us that we just, there's even a scripture that says, pray for wisdom, seek for wisdom and do not doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do not doubt, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that a day-to-day practice? Uh, Mm -hmm. I want to say struggle, but we can't look at it as a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) Because when you overcome it, you're just like, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Very nice. Pray for wisdom. I like that. Hmm. And I think I've noticed that's maybe that's why I have a struggle with the question, because almost it all... So this is Philippians 2.5. The New Testament continually tells those reading it to seek. I forget the scripture. It says, which one of you who asks for a fish from your father, will your father give you a snake? He's saying, if your earthly father knows how to give you good gifts, then how much more the father in heaven knows how to give you what you need. So ask for the Holy Spirit. So it's always telling us to ask for the Holy Spirit. And that being said, it goes into, let me find the scripture. And it's not read that often. Maybe it is. Let me see. We should really do a podcast one day all about the Holy Spirit, because that one is a mystery to me in a beautiful way that we all, yeah. I would the Holy like, Spirit. Mm-hmm, go on. <laughs> no, I would love that for sure. Actually, the Holy Spirit fascinates me, and especially how they talk about the Holy Spirit as well. So, yeah, go ahead. So, John 14, 26. So, we're told to seek it. It says, but the helper... But the comforter, I'll read King James, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. That was a good one. But there's another one I was looking for. No, that's a very good one. John 14, 20. In that day... You shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then that leads to the script. I'm kind of just hitting these like, bang, bang. So that leads to what I want to share at Philippians 2.5, when Paul said, 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, where therefore God has also highly exalted him. So the whole, the depth of uh, it's us seeking that wisdom in us, which would lead to this reconciliation, which I pray for all my brothers and sisters coming in more and more to that intimate relationship with the father. We all share one teacher giving us new insights, new ways to commune, communicate. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess maybe I found an answer. You you tell me if this is good. After those scriptures that you just read, it made me kind of see that intuition is us. I think that that could be a form of our communication to God and mm -hmm. our almost checking, checking mm -hmm. ourselves mm -hmm. to whereas wisdom is God's communication to us mm -hmm. and showing us, showing us his love through, yeah. through that gift. Mm, I like that. This is, I like this for courage. This is uh, Hebrews 13, five and six. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So. Yeah. That one makes me think a lot. I read stories about you know, terrible things happening in other countries. And, and there are so many people out there that that have so much courage and still hold on to their faith while they're going through the atrocities. Yeah. Atrocities. Thank you. And then we look at things that we have that, that are frightening us today, you know, and they make it seem like, yeah. Hmm. I want to put more onto that, but actually now I'm being stopped. So maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything more. So, hmm. Well then with, with all of that. Yeah. How can I tie in the, the intuition and wisdom? Cause now is that, was that like five different questions for that one? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that I that I read. Hmm. Get that. Blame my lack of preparation. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because I, as soon as I read the question, like to you, I started thinking to myself, like, does that make sense? <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that the proper question I'm I'm looking for? But that was the question I was looking for. But was that the proper question? Hmm. Okay, so I like something just popped in my head, and I think that's where I struggle with the question at times because it's. It's a good question. And also it's like, a, I like how you said maybe intuition is us. How did you say it? Us it's our checking con our conversation yeah. with God. Yeah. 
so there's just and then and wisdom is God's conversation with us. So that's beautiful. I think Paul says something. It's therefore Christ is not ashamed to call these his brothers and his sisters. He said, the one that sanctifieth, the one that does the sanctifying, and the one that is sanctified are of one. So I think it's the it has to do with the absolute realm of God and also our experience down here as sometimes separate. Even that interchange of wisdom and intuition is still happening in some way of a, of a oneness that we don't fully know. It's like a, a, a give and take, a, a bounce back between both. And Is there any separation in that? They're two different things, but is there separation? Thoughts to ponder. <laughs> Very, very good thoughts to ponder. During that pandemic, I had to move up to the mountains. At first, I was very afraid because I was going to be living off the grid. And this was going to be a very big new experience for me. But I loved every minute of it because I was always doing something. I was always working. Now, I ended up finding so many jobs when I was up there. When everything was shut down, I was still able to keep working and to keep doing my my hospitality jobs because <laughs> everybody needs to eat. So restaurants were still open. Now, I ended up working for this wonderful cafe up in the mountains. The people up there, they're, once you get onto their good side, they're a little bit more open with you. Now, one of the ladies that I was working for, she owns the coffee shop and she asked me a very powerful question. She asked me, she said, Don, I know you, that you are a religious person and you believe in God. I can see it without me even having to talk with her. She asked me, she said, how do you feel about this message that they keep spreading? And the message is, is that we are God and that we hold the powers that, that God has. Now, when she asked me this, she goes, do you believe that we are God? I actually was very quiet and I could not answer her. It was literally for five minutes. Wow. I said, you know, let me think upon this because I do, I see this message that is being spread up, out there. And I think it's being taken the wrong way because when people believe that they are God, they think that they're heroes. They think that they could go out there and go do stuff, but that's when they might get stuck in their own head and their own ego and start doing things that are not in, in God's, uh, passion for us that is not mm -hmm. intentions for us it's it's also good to learn that message you know we all kind of have to go through that in order to kind of get rid of that ego mm -hmm. so i'm not faulting anyone for thinking that way because it's almost Beautiful. like you kind of have to go through it yeah um, so oh yeah you, you hit it on the nail and it's something i've wanted to talk about it, it's very beautiful and i like how there was a pause between that question because yeah, it is a matter of, and I think that's why Paul warned against will. He called it will worship, the worshiping of, of our own will, I suppose. Because in some sense, I consider, like Paul said, he was a steward of the mystery. And the mystery is Christ in us, and he doesn't hide that. He plainly says that, and it should be said in every a building that speaks of Christ. Our relationship with God through Christ is whether we see it right away or not, is an unfolding of intimate, so intimate relationship with God. Some people on the other arena of the New Age begin to say, we are God. 
like you said, that can run amok with ego inflation and doing things that are outside of what God is wishing to work through us. Yeah, it's and that's where real humility, not a practiced humility, as Paul warned of, an understanding as we get kind of disciplined by the Father of all spirits who lives in us through Christ. We become, I think, the hope set out in the Gospels is to be those calling and those being pulled by the Spirit and those being sanctified is to walk in a perfect image of God. And I think about an image, like an image on a television. The, the image and the screen aren't separate. I, I used to think about that. But sometimes there's blots on a screen that blocks the image. But we can, I think the hope is we trust and we walk in faith. We become more and more perfect images in a real way, not just a metaphorical thing. And that's the difference between, it's the difference between do we make God in our image or, or do we let God make us in his perfect image? And uh, maybe we've all wrestled with that at times. And I think many in this world with the, yeah, I think I told my dad one time, I said, dad, just so you know, there's a lot of movements out there saying we're God. So things are getting interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So powerful. So perfectly said. So did I, did you hear me mention the fruits of the spirit? Yes. Yes. Okay. You, my brother, this is Galatians five, thirteen. You, my brother and sisters were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And I think about the potential for ego inflation and playing God. And if we're all God, then maybe we're still repeating the insanity of fighting each other if we don't submit to one God. So I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So. The stakes are high as we begin to walk as free children. And it's Paul's reminders that we are to serve each other humbly and not provoke one another. <laughs> so something we're all learning to do. Those words are so comforting. Oh, my goodness. You just named off like so many of my favorite words. <laughs> <laughs> Love, kindness, uh, that was Galatians 5.15. Yeah, and specifically the fruits of the Spirit is 5 verses 22. Fruits of the Spirit. I think that's going to lead into my next one because fruits of the Spirit, we could go into our food. We could go into a whole bunch of other different things. But just mm -hmm. for this conversation, for the, the fruit of our Spirit, we touched upon some very big aspects of what the fruits of that spirit is, the wisdom, the discipline, and, and the courage. Those, I believe, are definitely fruits of fruits of the spirit. Mm -hmm. mm. Agreed. Agreed. 
Well, once again, I'm very impressed with how this conversation went. And thank you very much for all of the the wonderful scriptures that you found and to help us answer these questions, to give us more guidance in how to walk each day in God's faith and God's love and in God's wisdom as well. So are we God? To my, I don't think I even got to answer the lady, but in my opinion, we are representing God. That is what mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And I feel that if we believe that we are God, that that will overtake us, actually. I believe in God's gifts to us. That's what I believe in. Very beautiful. Agreed. Dane, now there's, a, oh, there's some scriptures I wanted to add to that that would very still. All right. You know um, what? Go yeah. ahead and have some scriptures. Yeah, We're not scriptures. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to hear. This might be new to some listeners, maybe not, I don't know. But um, I think this is beautiful because what you said is very from the heart and, and so it might test, it might push some people in a good way. And um, this, there's scriptures to back everything you said. God's love is perfected through us, in us. Thank you, by the way. I'm glad you shared what you shared and something's, yeah. <laughs> Something I'm always want to talk about or think about or, <laughs> yeah. First John 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And there's another one. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. D- dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So are we God? To me, the answer is we are children of God, and we what we will be has not yet been made known. So it is, I think, an unfolding of God's love in us all walking in faith. Beautiful. Yeah, what it hasn't been revealed to us yet. That actually would stop a lot of my worries. May I share a verse? Yeah, okay, know. yeah. Jump, jump with it. See what happens. You can always well, I'm, be... not, I'm not supposed to share verses, though. <laughs> Said, uh, yes. No, I don't think so. I think you can share a verse. No, because I'm just asking the questions. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need the uplifting. Maybe I'm missing something. <laughs> All right. You know what? You're right. For some reason, that scripture made me think of a verse that I have that I rely on all the time. It's Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. I have to remind myself this all the time because I'll just worry about the tiniest little things. And then I just remember that if it's something that I should be worried about, then I need to pray on it. And usually when I think about it, I'm like, do I need to pray for this? Then it kind of just goes away. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Um, Yeah. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I think oh, go on. yeah no go ahead I think it lends to the funny humor of uh the problem with us being God is we would worry about things we never needed to worry about we don't know <laughs> we don't see the whole picture as individuals I mean in his presence and his trust maybe we are completely one with him but as playing God with the mind oh my I wouldn't want that I, I think I've tried that at times it doesn't seem <laughs> oh my god 
so true. <laughs> like, why would you want to be God? Why would you want to worry yourself with like why things are, you know, happening the way they are? Why don't you, why wouldn't you want to rely on your father for the answer? Because if you had the answer, I don't know, that might suck. <laughs> so have a little sympathy for God. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I hear that. I hear that. Oh, no, we we are just like little glimpses in God's great creation. And so that is why it is fantastic if we are able to to share our voice and to share our experiences to help others, because even though we are short little glimpses, we have a very powerful impact in everyone's lives. If you think about it, even though we're all so small, we all make that little bit of a difference every day. Even just smiling at somebody can make a huge difference in someone's life. So, so much agreed. So much agreed. Yeah, it's true because we are, like you said earlier so beautifully, we are, if we are expressions of God's love, we can show the unlimited power that we don't even aware of and we don't want for ourselves, but we get to share it th through us to other people. And I think that's why um, there's even a scripture that says, seek holiness for it. If there's no holiness, no one will see God. So I think at times we, <laughs> it's a call, it's all in God's power and favor, but we are able to show the world that there is an unconditional love because we are vessels for it. And if we never showed it, even Jesus said, who lights a light, who lights a, ca a candle and puts it under the lampstand? He said, someone puts a candle on top of the lampstand for everybody to see. So he said, let your light shine. And that's been something I've struggled with, we struggle with. But I've realized it is so necessary if God has put passion and love and his spirit in our hearts that we don't shrink back from when we are pulled to give that smile, give that word, give that act of service that we're pulled to. All right, that one. <laughs> And, when you said that, oh, oh no, go ahead. go ahead. And to finish it off, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all this surpassing power is from God and not from us. Amen to that. Well, this will be a whole different podcast. I don't know. It's funny that you bring up the light. Doesn't the Bible also talk about Lucifer uh, as being the light? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always got conflicted and confused by those two concepts because we are supposed to be the light of Christ and shine through. But then it also does mention that be weary of... I don't actually... Mm -hmm. I'll find it. I'll find it right now. And that's why I, I, my heart of hearts knows we are speaking from the light. I, this is why I say that. Paul says in 2 Corinthians eleven twelve. 12. And I feel you, Paul. I'm trying to do this too, Paul. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> but, what, but I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no, is it no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness? So let me give context to that, because that's, <laughs> go back a bit. Paul is a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, uh, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough into 
he said, the mystery made known to the apostles in this time, hidden since the beginning of the age, to spread to the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so I do not think, and then this is where he gets a little funny. He said, I do not think I am in the, in the at least inferior to those quote unquote super apostles you have. <laughs> super apostles. <laughs> I may be, I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. Was it a sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you for your charge? As surely as the truth of Christ is in, in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia. Okay, that's okay. You might take this off, but I'm going to share this. This is interesting. So I looked up Achaia. It's a, it's a place, right? Achaia, it's A-C-H-A-I-A. And I looked up the meaning of the word, right? It is actually a place, but I looked up the meaning of the word. Yeah. It means grief. Wow. Kind of feel something in that. But as surely as the truth of Christ in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. And I will keep on doing what I'm doing. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs and slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we were too weak for that. Whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am, a, I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Three times I was beaten with the rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone often without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly bone? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to find a way to round about this and this little rant. <sighs> okay. Yeah, any questions with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um that made me that made me very emotional (laughs) uh wow i have to say wow kudos to you i'm so glad you shared that I don't even, you've left me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Those words have left me emotional and uh, powerful at many times throughout my journey of a reminder of glad it uh, seemed to touch you in the same way because it has touched me too. Like how I, I bet you I've read that or I've had somebody read that to me before, but I never like understood it until now. And so I am... <laughs> I'm so grateful that you, that you shared that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Truly a joy. Truly a joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, it is actually. It it is. Uh, it's comforting. It's it's joyful. It's especially to know that others have the same questions. How do you get it? I don't even know the words anymore. I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. I feel. I sense the uh, sentiment. So, yeah. yeah. Well, so how do we end this? Because uh, <laughs> right now I, I need to take a, a breather. Like my emotions just hit me. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries. Do you have, other than all the wonderful things that you just spoke of, do you have anything else that you wanted to add to end this wonderful session? I guess I'll end with uh, just a outpouring from my heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the light that we don't always see that, gets to come through us anyone out there god's love is unconditional as well as a consuming fire as we let go of old ways and carry our emotional burdens and learn to give them all to god so i'm just thankful we could do this podcast eh, now i'm getting choked up <laughs> <laughs> amen to that amen it's good to embrace those emotions it makes us you know sensitive uh, <laughs> to everything around us and that is a good way to live and you you said it perfectly is that is one way to test your trust just give your burdens to god just stop dealing with them give it to him let him deal with it he gave it to you for learning so yeah embrace it and embrace that gift that we are able to give it to him so thank you so much well, David, it's always a pleasure and I can't wait for our next conversation. So thank you for doing this and see you next time. Absolutely. Thank you, Don, for hosting. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, you there? Yeah. Okay. I think I got disconnected. Let's see. I'm looking for a scripture. <laughs> Oh, have fun with the edits, Don. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have a blast with this one. I don't even know where I'm going to put what where. So yeah. it's going to be an adventure. <laughs> oh, man.